This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome everybody. It is the Tuesday edition of Talk Back. Talk Back this morning, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. If you'd like to find out more about getting a storage space at Y West, here's the number 406-510-0590 because at Y West Storage, they're making room for you. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, residential and commercial cleaning, no job too big or small. Their number 406-260-6617. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it's going to get, and it will get cold, they have everything you need to make sure your diesel rig starts every time. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service at Palmer and West Broadway. And also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply. Feel confident in Harrington Surgical Supply's discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, we've got a little bit of winter here uh, going on this morning. Hey, everybody, I'm Peter Christian. Nick Christensen joining me right across the way there. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. Hey, all right. So as I was driving into work this morning, I, I noted that there were some accidents being reported by our friends over at KISS and, of course, uh, Z100 and uh, went over there and took a look. And sure enough, there uh, they had uh, uh, a, a reserve and South Avenue blocked off there, and uh, they they had cars turning right and going through the Rosars parking lot, and then continuing their journey. So hopefully, it it wasn't too big of an inconvenience for folks. So it anyway. was cleared up pretty quick because I I came the other direction, and and they already pretty much had it all cleared out. Did they? So, good. Yeah, it was fun. good. Good. Hopefully, there was nobody injured. Uh, uh, I didn't see any wrecked vehicles there, but. Uh, I saw one or two. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good deal. Well, you had a better vantage point than I did. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was in a car right by it. So yeah, yeah. there you go. All <laughs> yeah. right. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. All right. And hopefully everybody got to work okay. Uh, we had a little bit of a, well, a little bit of a, I, I won't call it a snowstorm. We had kind of a flurry, if you will. Uh, just kind of making things interesting, getting us back into the winter driving mood or mode. Mm-hmm if you will. So hopefully you got where you needed to be successfully this morning. Hey, it's open phones for this first hour. What's on your mind? 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Now, looking ahead to the next hour, we have our friends from the Mansfield Center coming in and a special guest, a gentleman named Bill Russo. He's Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. So uh, he works very closely with Anthony Blinken, and so uh, uh, we will we will be uh, talking with them in the nine o'clock hour. But right now, what's on your mind this morning? Seven two one twelve ninety is our number one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. So, what's going on with you, Mister Nick? <laughs> not nothing exciting to report, um, but with uh, with the snow that's coming in or the you know colder winter weather, um, I don't think we've talked about just how cold it's supposed to get this weekend yes please could impact travel conditions and things like that and they haven't called for a bunch of snow which i know we need we kind of talked about that yesterday but um we're talking you know single digits possibly in the negatives and so um i don't know here in the next couple days or so maybe just kind of stock up on things you might need and just kind of be prepared just in case it gets really really cold and 
and maybe if anyone's uh, stuck staying at home this weekend or anything like that, travel plans could be affected. But, but yeah, just something to look out for. I believe in uh, the nomenclature that we used to use, they call it winter. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seeing as how we really haven't had much of a winter, it uh, usually starts in November, of course, goes through December, and then usually ends around February or March. But here it is January 9th, and we're finally getting some uh, actual winter. So Yeah, like we talked about you know, yesterday, we need the snow r- really bad, and you don't like the snow. I really don't like the snow. Um is I mean you could have you could have the snow anywhere as long as the roads stay clear. I mean, and our our friend Brian Hensel does a pretty good job of that. I mean, oh, yeah. you could have tons of snow in the mountains. It could be on the ground everywhere. But as long as you know the roads remain fairly clear, I'm fine. But because the cold doesn't really bother me, it's just I, I can't stand the driving conditions of it. Because you know I'm a pretty cautious, defensive driver. I've never been in an accident, never had any issues like that. But you know when that snow hits the ground, people start driving a little loosey goosey and especially people that maybe haven't done it before. You know, when a lot of people were moving here, I was really concerned last winter with all the new people moving into right. into Missoula, just how bad it would be. But it wasn't too bad. But it's always in the back of your mind when that snow hits and it's on the ground and you're going down reserve or any yeah. other main streets. And it's like, oh, boy. It's 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 the KGO veterans that, uh, that scare me, though, because ah, I've driven this since all my life. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. Ah! Crash boom. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go right back. What's on your mind this morning? It's open phones, uh, 721-1290, 1-800-568-5309. You can also use the KGVO app if you can't use the phone. That's fine, too. We'll be right back after this timeout. Winds have picked up across western Montana. Today is a combination of Pacific moisture from the west and cold Arctic air from the east. Bring us that typical January weather I've warned you about for more than a week. Expect widespread snow showers through the morning and then heavier snow potential, especially in northwest Montana on over Lookout, Lolo, and Marias Passes. Snow level amounts in the passes could hit a couple of feet, several inches of snow in the Seedley Swan and Upper Blackfoot. Snow totals in Missoula and the Bitterroot will be less, but everyone headed for some sub-zero temperatures by week's end. All right, there you go. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. It is a talk back for this Tuesday, January 9th. What's on your mind this morning? This is open phones. Whatever you, you'd like to talk about, that's what we want to talk about. Rob Nadelson was on yesterday, had uh, quite a few calls for Rob. And so if there's something left over you didn't get a chance to discuss, you can call us about that. Also, there's something going on today here in Missoula. It is the National League of Cities and U.S. Department of Labor as Missoula's kicking off something called Good Jobs, Great Cities. And it's a site visit by all these uh, big-time folks. It's going to be today, I believe, at the Missoula City Council Chamber. So that's what's going on. Anyway, uh, and we will try to get a report on that uh, if we can later on today. So anyway, but what's going on in your life, ladies and gentlemen? We'd love to hear from you at 721 or one 800 So, well, the holidays are over. We're into a brand new year of 2024. Have, have you have you heard any um, any predictions of uh, what's going to happen to I mean, ordinarily there are prognosticators that say, "Hey, here's what's going to be happening in 2024." I really haven't heard much of anything in terms in terms of what? Oh, just like, you know, like uh, soothsayers, sayers oh, of sooth, yeah. looking looking forward, saying, "Here's what I predict will happen." <laughs> we do have a presidential election. That's something uh, worth looking at. Oh yeah, and as we get closer and closer to November, and I mean, we you know, local races here too. I mean, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a busy year, and I'm. I mean, I'm 
kind of surprised we haven't had more calls about it leading up to it, you know, now because yeah. yeah. last, you know, last big general election, I mean, we were talking about it, it felt like for a year and a half leading up and it still comes up. But, but yeah, this, uh, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting, the process of uh, both parties selecting candidates. I mean, I think we all have a good idea who they're going to be, but um, you know, that's, that's going to be tumultuous in itself. And then after that, oh boy, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, debate season's always fun. So I, I, <laughs> it's good I, for I, us. I, I wonder if there is going to be a debate between, between John Tester and, uh, Mr. Sheehy. I feel like um, there has to be. Yeah. Right? I mean, <clears throat> yeah. in some capacity, but yeah, I, I don't know how often. I mean, it's always funny. I've kind of learned from doing this for the last eight years or so that, you know, no matter what race it is, a lot of, you know, candidates come in and they talk to us and they're all gung ho about, yeah, I'm more than willing to do a bait, you know, debate anytime, anywhere or do that. And then when push comes to shove and it's time to schedule, ooh, well, that doesn't really work for me. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm and then you be, end up having one, right? Yeah, and it's I'm, like, okay. Well. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, with the daughters of the American Revolution that day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean. Some of them are still alive. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and it comes yeah. with the territory. I mean, I get it. It's, it's, it's all, uh, I mean, it's, it's all a big game in a way. So, so yeah, I don't know. And I always, by the time it's over, I'm always really relieved and like, oh my gosh, thank goodness it's over. But I mean, for, for what we do and being talk radio, I mean, it's, it's a good time for us because obviously we bring in some good ad revenue, but it gives us stuff to talk about. We get candidates on air. I mean, We've already had she on uh, once. Obviously, we'll definitely get him on again. Hello, um, hello, jo- hello, John. Tester. Don't know about John Tester. Yeah, jo- hello, John. John. We will vi- as are, always, are you there, John? as we've are, always said, there? we've tried. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will tell you uh, that that uh, uh, politics has a very interesting. I don't want to say sneaky, uh, a very interesting way of separating the candidate from. The the a message for uh, you know challenging or attacking his opponent. Mm. There, there's always some independent organization called you know the concerned citizens for sidewalk cracks or, or whatever you want to call it. Right? They are not associated with this candidate. Well, not not but, affiliated yeah, with yeah, the candidate. Yeah. But this guy's a <laughs> jerk, and you shouldn't vote for him. You should vote for our guy, even though we're not you know officially affiliated with him but we think that you should vote for him instead because he's so nice well it's funny too because those candidates aren't in a rush to quiet those ads are they either no, usually no, they're like no, no. yeah we're not associated with them but yeah. you know i mean you know we're, we're okay with what they're saying we have no control over what they're saying yeah they are their own political group organization whatever. well and that's that's the probably the most annoying part for at least for me and for you know people that i talk to it's like you just get bombarded with ads everywhere you go, and it's the same ones over right, and over right. again. So you, you hear them, and then you're like, "Oh, I mean, I'll just going back past uh, past elections. I remember there was a Rosendale ad, all hat, no cattle, and that was the phrase for over right. and ever. And then right. uh, Monica Trinell had her ad last year now it, with now, the snake. Yeah, and now, now it's Shady Sheehy. Shady Sheehy, yeah. It rolls off days. the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, and they started those way early. So it's, you know, and, and how much money gets put into these. And yeah, it's just... I mean, it, it it's crazy. The, these national elections, I mean, they kind of get out of control a little bit. But. It, would, it would be interesting to find out just how much 
those um, non-affiliated groups <laughs> are, are are spending on on these ads because you know uh, they're they're very slick, very very well produced, and just downright nasty. Yeah, they can be definitely. Anyway, seven two one twelve ninety is our number. What's on your mind this morning? Give us a call. We would love to have you be on the air and uh, and share your thoughts with us. We're going to come right back with open phones, continuing until nine o'clock. Right after this, like most backseat. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country while parachuting with my platoon. My parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Learn more at pva.org. Hey, we're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is the number. 1-800-568-5309. Open phones all the way until 9 o'clock this morning. And then we'll be talking with folks from the Mansfield Center. Dina Monsoor will be here in the studio along with Bill Russo, who's the Assistant Secretary of the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. Lots of uh, important things they're talking about there. So let's let's get Jeff on the line right now. Jeff, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Hey, good morning. Uh, really enjoyed hearing Rob yesterday. He made a lot of really good points. You bet. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things I want to do is uh, caution against assuming that uh, Tim Sheehy is a shoe-in for the uh, for the uh, Republican nomination. Um, oh, there okay. are folks out there. Um, are Matt Rosendale for one. Who, uh, has he even de- uh, has he even declared yet that he's going to run for the Senate? Though 
he he has expressed interest. I don't know that he's actually right. put anything out there, but there's a bunch of people who are behind him, and uh, I'm not going to say that I'm personally one of those. I kind of I I don't like the revolving door of our congressional seats. I would prefer that once we elect a congressman, they stay there for at least one term, maybe two, you know, four to six years, and then go on to do other things. But uh, I just think that there's a, that it, I wouldn't say it's a crapshoot, but, uh, you know, I think there's uh, some uh, doubt as to whether or not it will be uh, Tim Sheehy. Do you, do you think that there is pressure uh, within the, I think I'm just asking uh, off the top of my shoulder here. Do you think there's there's any pressure from uh, folks in the Republican Party uh, for, uh, uh, focusing on Mr. Rosendale saying, please don't, please, uh, please don't, uh, you know, jump into the waters here and and spoil things for Sheehy? I don't know about that. I, I think the the uh, concern on the other side is that uh, Tim Sheehy seems to be a uh, a uh, Senator McConnell pick that it's it's kind of a uh, you know establishment versus uh, Montana kind of thing you mm. know who does Montana want versus who does Mitch McConnell want and so um, you know that, I'm not going to say that's completely true I'm I, I, that's what I've heard and so um, I think it, it's just I I don't have any concern about Tim Sheehy personally. Um, I just don't know that he will actually be the nominee. So um, just more to follow on that, I guess, as we watch it. Well, the the only thing that I hear about Mr. And we had him on the air, uh, if you know, uh, remember several months ago. And the one thing that he keeps uh, emphasizing over and over again, yes, I, I'm a I, uh, former Navy SEAL. I have uh, years and years of military experience. I'm going to put that experience to work for you, that sort of thing. But And, of course, he's a very successful uh, Montana businessman. So uh, I, I'm wondering what, what else is there uh, that he could, if he w- was in, this, in the U.S. Senate, what kind of leadership skills does he have? What kind of negotiating skills does he have? Does he have the ability to uh, to get, step in as one of 100 senators and uh, begin to make a difference by, you know, um, especially uh, in the, those first few months of, of learning and, and speaking and finding out where the men's room is, all that sort of thing, just to, uh, to, to make sure that he is going to be have his feet on the ground when it comes time to start being a senator? Yeah, um, you know, it is a learning process. I mean, you have to, you, it's kind of like what uh, uh, the new mayor went through when she had to go to, didn't have to, when she chose to go to mayor's school. Um, that, uh, you know, that was, uh, you, you need to know what you don't know before you actually start going there. And I, uh, and I think that, I don't know. This is this is more personal than anything I've heard, but you know that the, the Tim Sheehy uh, resume seems to kind of look like a retread of the Ryan Zinke resume. You know, I was a Navy SEAL. I served. I did this. Right. Um, and, and so I'm just wondering if it's. Uh, I don't have. Like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't know um, whether or not that will last up uh, for the people of Montana. I guess it will be fun to watch it. You bet. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thanks for the call. You bet. All right, buddy. Thank you. And Susan's on the line. Good morning, Susan. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding. Please go ahead. Well, I can tell you right now from the perspective of someone that works a lot with veterans, Matt Rosendale is not 
appreciated by veterans. He is not liked by veterans. He has annoyed veterans. And we are up against a man who has used his, he and, and Chester has never been a veteran, never could be a veteran on many different levels. And the fact that she, he has, in fact, Tim, Tim Sheehy actually is a veteran. He not only is a veteran, but he is a highly decorated person who showed his leadership in very uh, stringent uh, circumstances and also has proven himself to be very good at leadership when it comes to being in firefighting situations, which is also in many ways like being in combat. Um, I, I think we need a young person. We need the, the, and I will tell you bluntly, the leadership of the Republican Party is uh, definitely concerned about Matt Rosendale getting into it because he is very likely if he goes back to running for the Congress electable without hesitation and we need him in the we need him in Congress. But he did not do well when he ran against Tester in the the last election. And Trump was not very impressed with him. So I I think that's a factor that plays into this. And I definitely support Kim Sheehy over Matt Rosendale. We need a veteran running against John Tester, who is never going to be a veteran, never has been veteran, and honestly does not support veterans. And I think um, the problem we have with Sheehy is that he doesn't have the multi-millions of dollars from Hollywood and other dark money that John Tester has. Well, let me John, ask you. Let, I, believe, let, I just want to ask Tester you. John has more money. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say. Um, John Tester has the highest level of dark money coming in, I believe. I think I've read somewhere he has more dark money coming in than any other candidate running for Senate right now. He Because uh, West Virginia doesn't have a, a viable Democrat running now with Manchin stepping down, um, the money from uh, all of uh, the Democrats' pots are, are going into Tester. I was going to ask you, uh, because you're talking about uh, not being a veteran, but he is the chairman of the uh, of the uh, uh, Veteran Affairs Committee. So uh, th- does that not that count? That deliberately no, because that is, uh, he doesn't show up at a lot of the meetings. He's been someone that has routine. He votes 97% of the time with Biden. He has been extremely negative toward veteran funding um, and military funding. Uh, Tester is not pro-military. He is, he's in the same camp. If, if you see Biden, you see Tester. 
Tester and Biden. Tester and Biden. All right. Schumer. Tester and Biden. Got it. Susan, thanks. All right. Thanks for the call, kiddo. We're going to come right back. We have Candy and Skip both waiting to visit with us. It's open phones. Whatever might be on your mind this morning Uh, for the next 28 minutes. We'd love to visit with you. And then at nine, we'll be talking with Dina Mansour from the Mansfield Center, along with her special guest, Bill Russo, who's uh, assistant secretary of state for the Bureau of uh, Public Affairs. So that's all coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Don't let the winds have picked up across western Montana. Today is a combination of Pacific moisture from the west and cold Arctic air from the east. Bring us that typical January weather I've warned you about for more than a week. Expect widespread snow showers through the morning and then heavier snow potential, especially in northwest Montana on over Lookout, Lolo, and Mariah's Passes. Snow level amounts in the passes could hit a couple of feet, several inches of snow in the Seedley Swan and Upper Blackfoot. Snow totals in Missoula and the Bitterroot will be less, but everyone headed for some sub-zero temperatures by week's end. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. A little bit of light snow falling right now. Western Montana roads are uh, barren wet or slick in some places, especially as you head out of Missoula. Let's get back to open phones. We've got Candy who's been waiting the longest. Candy, good morning. Thanks for holding. You're on Talk Back. Hi. Yes, I wish uh, Tim Sheehy would come back on your show. Uh, I wonder if he's pro-life. He hasn't said anything that makes me believe he's pro-life. I know he has four children, but that doesn't necessarily make you a pro-life advocate. And I would like to know if he has a faith. I I think those questions need to be answered. Okay. Yeah. So well, if if he, if we can get him back on, we certainly will, Candy. Yeah, I would appreciate that. It's easier to ask these questions when he's there. So I would like to hear more about that. You bet. Sounds Thank good. You. Thank you. Well, yeah, we'll Bye. do my best for Candy to get him back on, if if at all possible. I'm, I'm looking at. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm looking at his. Uh, oh, here, here we go. Uh, Tim Sheehy said, "Quote: As the father of four children, I am proudly pro-life." Uh, my wife, Carmen, and I couldn't imagine life without our children, end quote. So, okay, that answers that question. Uh, let's get Skip on the line. Skip, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Well, good morning, Peter. And um, somebody somebody didn't put the dome up last night. We're getting some snow here in the bitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about time, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, yeah, and boy, I hope we get plenty in the mountains. Uh, but meanwhile, um, I heard Jeff... Uh, and I, I, I appreciated what he was saying about Rob yesterday. I was able to listen to the last 10 minutes, and uh, I'll bet it was a dynamic half hour or hour with him. Uh, and, and then when I heard Susan Renault talking about Tim Sheehy, I would say she nailed every single point. And, and I do believe that something that will be a factor is uh, how much money he ends up having to run against Tim Sheehy in in a primary against John Tester, and then <clears throat> I I know that the that the search committee, which I think Senator Daines is is the chairman of the senatorial committee, uh, I think they would they certainly would be pushing for Sheehy rather than for for uh, I, I think I'm correct about that uh, than than for Matt Rosendale. Uh, I think it would be wonderful if. If uh, Matt would just settle down and stay over there in eastern Montana as our representative, and maybe we can get some consistency 
for a, a few years. Well, I, I personally have been, been been wondering why uh, Mr. Rosendale hasn't declared by now that he's going to run for the Senate because yeah, the, there have been hints and uh, you know broad hints dropping here and there. Uh, just wait to see what happens in November. Da 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 da. And uh, I, I'm wondering. It's it's January. It's it, it's 2024 now. So I'm not sure when or if that announcement will come. Well, I think he's he's certainly uh, proved himself as a good uh, a good person to to have in the uh, I'll say as a spoiler and making sure all the cards get on the table, especially with his uh, how he handled the vote for McCarthy and 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 uh, making sure people with his vote and be almost controversial to some people would uh, you know certainly made sure everybody was aware of the situation. I think he, I think personally, he'd just do wonderful, just stand right where he is, because and otherwise he takes the chances of disappearing because he he might get beat. Uh, so I think it'd be wonderful to just have Tim Sheehy, who who uh, when I, I've heard him speak, and uh, he he'll try to answer any question that that you you can come up with, and I think he's going to be a breath of fresh air and. And hopefully the nominee of the party. Uh, and uh, I think that it would be wonderful to just keep it, <laughs> let Matt stay there to see he be the the uh, nominee. But then Susan was so right about all the things she lined out about John Tester. And I, I wish the people would, would uh, figure out how every single time John runs, 36 years now, I think, as a professional politician uh about the last year he comes out with the and by the way very well done commercials they're they're very con, you know right they seem like right right from the heart my goodness it's john needs to go home and drive a tractor <laughs> and it's time that we, that we did something uh that's really refreshing for montana so i just wanted to tell those people thanks for their input you bet and uh Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Skip, thanks for the call. Interesting the way the Montana Free Press put it. They said, quote, in December, they said, Montana Republican Congressman Matt Rosendale uh, kind of almost not quite announced his long-rumored 2024 bid for the U.S. Senate this week. So, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to say that wording is uh, very unique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break, and we have Charlie. If you'll be patient, Charlie, we'll get to your, your call here in just a moment, give you plenty of time to make your point. All of our other phone lines are open. It's open phones for the next 18 minutes. So whatever might be on your mind, that's what we want to talk about. 721-1290. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. It's open phones on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. Charlie is waiting to visit with us. Charlie, good morning, and thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning. Hey, uh, I think it was back in uh, late October. I was listening to Glenn Beck. And uh, he had uh, uh, mentioned that uh, there was an interview done with Jimmy Carter, the the president. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but after he left the presidency, he got into Habitat for Humanity. Then he was uh, globetrotting, going to all of these different, uh, you know, new republics or democracies, whatever they were, you know, monitoring the vote. And he was asked. What is the, you know, what are some of the items that you found that prevented free and fair elections in these countries? 
The first thing was mail-in voting. The second was uh, uh, ballot harvesting. And the third was drop boxes. Wow. Which I found kind of like, you know, uh, eye-opening. But then uh, here before the Christmas break, I was listening to the two guys on uh, Red Eye Radio. They come on late at night. Right. They were referencing a survey and 21% of the people that uh, responded to the survey, they voted in uh, the 2020 election, 21% of those people surveyed said that they either fully or partially filled out a ballot for their adult children. 21%. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And then on top of that, 17% of those that responded said that they had actually filled out a ballot that wasn't theirs. And the, what was the third? Oh, the third was another 17% that uh, responded to the survey said that they voted in a state which they were not a resident. Goodness. So all of these mail-in ballots going all over the, you know, everywhere uh, is preventing honest elections for sure. Uh, you know, by just by that that survey, and and that that was just you know an anonymous survey that people, you know, voluntarily answered, and that's kind of sketchy, if you think about it. Well, Charlie, you know, I, I I will tell I will tell you this, and and that what what scares me is that we keep hearing that people, I, I want voting to be easy. I, I, I want to be able to, to, to sit in my armchair and, and cross something out and stick it in the mail. And I, In other words, I don't want to have to get up and go to the polling place. I don't want to have to stand in line behind my neighbors and go in behind the little curtain and, and mark my deal uh, and then get an I voted sticker as I walk out the door. That's, that's old. That, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's not the modern way to do things. But it, it just seems like the, from. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel your pain. I mean, you know, there's nothing that I would rather that, you know, just like you said, sit, sit on my butt and uh, cast a ballot in front of my uh, TV with a beer in my hand, you know, but it just seems that what's happening is the people that really don't care one way or the other have a vested interest in the outcome of an election or even how the country's run. You know, if you can't get up off your butt and get down to the polling place, I mean, you know, like everybody has the right to vote, but I think there ought to be, you know, some effort put forth rather than, you know, relying on uh, mail-in ballots. Well, they, because, it, it, you know, it, it's a chain of custody. Yeah. You know, it, you put your ballot in the mail and who knows who's handling that? I mean, you know, you got to trust your postman, right? But how do you know that the postman isn't just wandering down the road saying, oh, well, this guy's a Republican. I can't have that, <laughs> you know, and, and and stash it in the secret pocket that he disposes of later. Yeah. And nobody will know. Right. You know, it just it just seems so sketchy. And, you know, the, the last Missoula re- election with uh, the big. Uh, you know, to do with Sandra and, uh, well, I can't remember the other guy's name, Greg, uh, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, 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 yeah, well, Sandra's parents used to live in her district. They moved, uh, and they got a ballot. Well, two, actually, both of them, mother and father, got a ballot, and they don't even live in her district. Wow. So, you know, I mean, they did, the, they did the honest thing and, you know, didn't vote, but they could have, and who would know? 
because we we can't audit the voting rolls. Everybody's, you know, that's, well, we can't do that. Oh, heaven forbid, somebody might get kicked off. And it just seems like free and fair elections in this country are just, I, I don't know if we'll ever have them again after well, I heard that. Well, 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 Charlie. Here, here, here's the deal. One of the, one of the reasons uh, the hue and cry over having mail-in elections was because of low voter turnout, right? And and even with mail-in elections, the voter turnout is usually what less than forty percent, thirty percent, twenty percent. It's it's pitiful. I know. Anyway, and it, it, you know, and, and it would it would only be worse. I'm sure. You know, if they if they had people, you know, well, you got to go down and vote at the polling place. You know, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying it just, it, it it's just so, uh, well, I'm scary, I guess, as to what's going on with the mail-in balloting, you're voting, you know, in the drop boxes and the uh, ballot harvesting, you know, going around. I mean, you just hear all kinds of stories. Oh, it's isolated. You know, it's no big deal. Well, you know, I think it actually is, even if. You know, even if just a handful of vote uh, ballots are illegally cast, it's not right. I hear you. You know, it just it's frustrating. Charlie. Anyway, so that's my rant. It's a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for the thanks for the call. We appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, and we're going to come right back. We have Debbie waiting to visit with us. 721-1290 is our number. Another eight minutes of open phones. That's what it's all about. And then we'll have special guests from the Mansfield Center. The University of Montana joining us here in the studio. I will be back right after this. The Fed's new back open phones for another, oh, about five minutes or so. Whatever might be on your mind this morning is the snow begins to gently fall. <laughs> 721 is our number. Let's get right back to the phones and say thank you to Debbie for holding. Debbie, good morning. Thanks so much. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, I just wanted to let folks know that in John's first uh, term, that when he was in Senate, that um, the American Legion was trying to pass the flag amendment, which made it illegal to desecrate the flag. And John voted against it, saying it was free speech. Wow! And um, and being and being a veteran, I um, every time I see a commercial where he says that all these veterans are supporting him and everything, I wonder how many veterans really know what he did in his first term. So that was all my. That's all I had to say. Thank all right. You. Well, Deb, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number all right wow so yeah definitely that race is going to heat up we have Sheehy, we have tester and and we don't know yet if mr rosendale is going to declare if he does then there'll be two republicans vying for that uh, that nomination for that primary so we'll see what happens or there could be even more never know so a lot, a lot of time left still. Oh, you yep. bet, you bet. Well, as as if if you're anywhere near a window, you can see the snow finally beginning to fall. Uh, uh, our number is seven two one twelve ninety or one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. We're going to try to keep you our our uh, our weather guy Dennis Bragg is keeping us updated not only on uh, weather conditions but also on road conditions throughout Western Montana. Earlier this morning during the rush hour, we had a little bit of a a, a minor accident. At the corner of South and Reserve, and uh, I will tell you that they had to to do some detouring around uh, around the accident and actually send people through the Rosars supermarket parking lot in order to uh, continue their route down Reserve Street. So, anyway, that's uh, that that's what happened this morning, and I'm hoping that people are slowing down, keeping their seatbelts buckled, 
and all that. So uh, what, what do we have, Nick? Uh, we're still getting set up for the next hour. Okay, Those great. Are, yeah. All yeah. right. No so, new callers. Yeah, no. you bet. So we, we have still have about two and a half minutes before we have to uh, take our long, uh, our, our uh, reg- scheduled commercial break. We have a, a hard break coming up at 856, 850-850. So still have time to get one or two calls in, uh, whatever you might, whatever might be on your mind this morning. Uh, the big one, of course, is the weather. We've had, uh, again, we did have some, some slide offs uh, around western Montana, but this is, rather an anomaly right now because we really haven't had much of a uh, of a winter yet uh very little snow if any snow uh here in missoula anyway and this is uh, uh for folks who are skiers and snowmobilers and folks who love winter sports this is a little bit of heaven coming down so <laughs> uh, we we have rob on the line real quick rob good morning rob you're on talkback what's on your mind sir Ah, well, Peter, I'm also very, very excited to see a little snow. It's not much, but it's enough. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the voting concerns about mail-in ballots. I I do think there was a lot more accountability when it was a one-day option and you had to be there. Uh, Unfortunately, that was obviously very inconvenient for a lot of folks at times and things came up and there was weather problems and a lot of scenarios that, that created issues. I can only speak to Missoula County uh, in, in this case, but we have had and in my in family and friends have had three incidents where either someone didn't sign one time uh, somebody both signed, just trying to think, well, we'll get the vote in at least. Um, and another time, I can't remember exactly, something was odd about it. But those, at least those three times, uh, it all, they all got flagged and the vote never ended up going through. Uh, and you got, in our case, where no one signed, and that was just kind of an oversight. My wife was out of town and, and, uh, I thought it was already all done, and so it got mailed in. So, uh, so, so there was so no there was no criminal intent there, obviously. Hello. No, no, but there's. I guess the point is, and, and I, I don't know what would happen if you tried to no. make it criminal, and no. you know. But hey, I hate to, I, 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 I hate to do this to you. We are five seconds away from a hard break. Okay. So I well, apologize. I, yep, have, I understand. Have a good no one. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hour number two of Talkback is underway. Talkback this morning brought to you by, and I love saying that, brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Well, they offer both residential and commercial cleaning, and a no job is too big or small. Phillips Janitorial, here's the number, 406-260-6617. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, no matter how cold it's going to get, way below zero this week, we hear. Uh, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, uh, make sure that your rig will start every single time. They're located at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Y West Storage. Everybody needs storage for pricing and availability. Their brand new at Y West Storage at 7099 Two Smokes Way out at the Y. Give them a call 406-510-0590 and by Harrington Surgical Supply where appointments are preferred for mastectomy, fittings and custom compressions but walk-ins are welcome. 
The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we have a very special hour, as we do once a month now, and we are we are thrilled to have Dina Monsur joining us here in the studio. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Peter. It's great to be here. I see you weathered the storm, and you are... Actually, you just kind of slid in underneath it here. That's right. I might be trapped here with you for the next week. <laughs> that that would be good. <laughs> All right. We have, a, we have a very comfortable couch, but <laughs> at, anyway, so tell us the reason you're here here today. Well, it's a great honor for us to have our uh, special visitor here with us today. You know, the Mansfield Center has this monthly spot to introduce the speakers that we actually have coming in person to Montana, but also virtually uh, to engage with our community. So we were founded 40 years ago to foster globally minded leaders of integrity. Uh, we have a dual focus of supporting democracy and also international engagement. And today's uh, today's guest um, really personifies both. He ch- checks all the boxes. He checks all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> he is an assistant secretary of state at the U.S. Department of State, Bill Russo, and he'll be coming here to Missoula, going to Pablo, going to Helena, going to Great Falls. So as he'll be here in Missoula uh, at the end of the month on January 30th, he uh, very generously agreed to join us today to give right. us a preview of what he'd be talking about. All right. Well, Bill, first of all, welcome to Missoula. I know this is not your first visit to Missoula uh, as a notorious PIG can uh, can testify, but <laughs> welcome, sir. It's good to have you. Well, Peter and Nina, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for making the time, and uh, just to say, I'm 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 excited to be here with you today, and I'm and I'm particularly excited uh, for an upcoming visit. Tell us a little bit about Bill Russo, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, a little bit of your curriculum vitae, if you will. No, of course. Uh, so uh, I am currently the State Department's Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Global Public Affairs, uh, and the team that I lead is the team that's uh, that ta- that's tasked with telling the story of American foreign policy, American diplomacy, and, and really America, the country itself, uh, all around the world. Uh, and of course, that also means here at home as well, uh, and, and kind of explaining uh, what we are doing on behalf of the American people uh, out in the world uh, each and every day and in, in pretty much every uh, every corner of the globe. And uh, I, this is, I'm, I'm lucky enough, this is my, my second uh, opportunity to serve here uh, in the State Department. I was here 2015 through 2017 uh, as well, and, and I've had uh, a few other roles, including uh, at the White House and the National Security Council. Um, but really, uh, you know, I am I, I, uh, in a job that is that is beyond a dream job for me now because it uh, it combines two of the things that I think are uh, not only incredibly important but that I that I really find joy in, which is uh, uh, communications and storytelling uh, and foreign policy and our national security. Uh, and so I'm uh, I'm 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 really in a, a in a dream job, and, and I, I really love particularly the opportunity uh, to travel around not only the globe but of course our own country uh, to talk with people about the work that we do. And you are a fantastic fit to come to Montana. I think I've said to uh, the listeners here before that Montana has been ranked as 49th in the country in terms of internationalization. So looking at the Institute of International Education's Open Doors report, that means we just don't have the numbers of students studying a second language, studying abroad, people working with international business. Um, so you'll be coming here to hear from Montanans what they think about um, U.S. engagement overseas, about diplomacy, and also to talk about um, your priorities when you're out here. Uh, can you share a little bit about what you expect to talk about when you're here in Montana? No, absolutely. And, and, and just to say, Dina, I think you hit a really important point, which is that, you know, when we when we think about communications, when we talk about communications, you know, we often think about the, the broadcasting part. And I recognize uh, this is a particularly great show because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a call-in show. And so much is uh, of good communications also includes listening. Uh, and so while, of course, uh, I'll share a little bit about some of the thoughts that um, I'm looking forward to sharing, 
um, really, for me, uh, the the best value for this trip is going to be the opportunity to listen and to learn a little bit uh, about what's on what's on people's minds. But kind of big and broadly, you know, I think uh, the, the the message uh, I'm looking to carry and, and and looking to get some feedback on is that uh, really what happens out in the world matters here at home. It matters in Montana. Um, and what happens in Montana has the opportunity, to, the, the capability to shape the world that we're living in. Uh, and so, you know, I think uh, yes might rank uh, 49th uh, by, by some metrics, but I also know that uh, Montana ranks, I think, second in the country per capita in terms of the population that are veterans. And I don't think there's a group of people who probably uh, know as well uh, that, you know, the threats, uh, the threats that we try and confront overseas, if we don't do so, have, uh, uh, have the, the, the capacity to come home. And that obviously has a huge impact on our people. Um, you know, whether it's some of the, the, the new challenges that we are facing, whether it's on the cyber front, uh, you know, uh, global health issues like pandemics, or of course, uh, even closer to home, the scourge of fentanyl, um, those are all challenges that require a global international response. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there are, there are other ones, uh, you know, the, the, the changes to our world and our climate uh, that are bringing, you know, worse droughts and floods, melting glaciers, uh, warming our waters that are, you know, that are, that are choking off uh, fish and, and other wildlife. Uh, those are problems that kind of have global action. But, but likewise, I think um, the impact that Montanans, that the state and its people can have in the world uh, shouldn't be understated either, right? Montana farmers and ranchers help feed the world. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, that there's some great snow coming down because I know people from all over the world come to ski your slopes, hike your trails, fish your streams, and I know because I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, and of course, I think uh, you know the the world just saw a, a University of Montana grad uh, uh, on stage this weekend getting a Golden Globe, uh, Lily Gladstone for her role okay. in a movie that's uh, being shown in theaters all around the world. Uh, and so I think uh, I think it really can't kind of also be uh, uh, overstated the the the, the possibility. Uh, and the impact that Montana can have uh, far outside of uh, of the state's borders. And so my job, the State Department's job here in D.C. and our embassies and our consulates all around the world is to, is to work every day with that in mind and think through what are we doing to make all of our lives safer, more prosperous, and healthier? What are we doing to prevent conflict or end conflicts that have started to create access to new markets for goods, to level playing fields um, so that, you know, manufacturers, farmers, others can kind of compete in a level playing field? Uh, and then building kind of, you know, coalitions, alliances, teams uh, of, of others who share our values um, so that everything we are doing on, on the global stage, we're doing with the greatest possible strength. Well, Bill, uh, so we... that's uh, what I'm interested in yeah, the, we're up against a commercial break. Uh, we do that about every 10 minutes or so. So I will be jumping in uh, to, to share that. We're going to come right back. By the way, the phone lines are open. If you have a question for Bill Russo, lines are open at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-530. You can also use the KGVO app. We'll be happy to pass that message along as well. Back with more right after this. You want the best. Winds have picked up across western Montana. Today is a combination of Pacific moisture from the west and cold Arctic air from the east. Brings that typical January weather I've warned you about for more than a week. Expect widespread snow showers through the morning and then heavier snow potential, especially in northwest Montana on over Lookout, Lolo, and Mariah's Passes. Snow level amounts in the passes could hit a couple of feet, several inches of snow in the Seedley Swan and Upper Blackfoot. Snow totals in Missoula and the Bitterroot will be less, but everyone headed for some sub-zero temperatures by week's end.
We are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Continuing our conversation with Bill Russo. And now, Adina, I know you had uh, lots of things to share, so go ahead. Well, he has lots of things to yes, share, so excited yeah. to hear more about it. One thing that he mentioned during the break um, was his connection with our Montana Grizz. And <laughs> one thing that we do with the Mansfield Center is a partner with the U.S. Department of State on so many programs. Um, we've brought in about $40 million to the local economy here, thanks to U.S. Department of State exchanges. Uh, those are professional fellowships. Those are youth exchanges. And one that we're doing right now is a sports diplomacy exchange. We are bringing over uh, participants from the Dominican Republic, but we're also currently advertising for high school students, university students, and general community members to apply for a sports exchange with Honduras. Um, and Bill, you were telling us a bit about your connection with Montana sports earlier. Yeah, no, just to say, uh, obviously, congratulations to the Grizz for, for, for making it to the championship. Uh, my condolences that the uh, result wasn't quite uh, what folks had hoped for, but I was, uh, I was, I was cheering, uh, I was cheering on from afar because uh, 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 Nico Ramos, the kicker, is uh, the brother of a, a good friend of mine from, from here in Washington and was pleased to, pleased to see him uh, put some points on the board, but uh, I know the result uh, otherwise uh, was not what, uh, uh, what Grizz fans were hoping for. My goodness, it is a small world, is it not? I mean, uh, the, it, we, we prove that over and over again with the Lily Gladstone thing, also now with Nico Ramos. Uh, yeah, it really is a small world. And and, and isn't really that part of your job uh, is, is to make the world a little bit smaller by bringing people together? No, the, 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 I, I couldn't have said it uh, any better than you did. Uh, you know, in, in, in so many ways, it's the it's the reality of the world uh, that we live in, right? People can be uh, in contact with each other uh, so much easier than they could, you know, even 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and so uh, part of our job uh, is to make the best of that, to, to make the best of those connections. And, 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 you know, I think when people think of diplomacy, I'm sure a lot of folks probably think of, you know, kind of stiff handshakes in front of neatly pressed uh, flags. And that's definitely part of our work. Um, but it's not just the government to government part. It's also people to people ties. And that's, uh, at least for me, in, in, in many ways, some of the most fulfilling work that we do. Well, and we're very excited to host you here in Montana as part of that effort that we're trying to bring uh, Montanans and our policymakers in Washington, D.C. closer together. Uh, Bill will be here in Missoula on January 30th. He'll be going to uh, Helena and Great Falls on January 31st. And, you know, this is one piece of a portfolio of programs we have to collaborate with the U.S. Department of State. Um, I mentioned our uh, youth exchanges earlier the uh, the Montana community has been really welcoming of international visitors. And I think one of our top priorities is to demonstrate that foreign policy is critical to who we are here at home. Bill, one of the things you earlier uh, you mentioned earlier was uh, new markets for our goods. And this is something that's critical for Montana. We have two trade offices outside our borders. Governor Gianforte recently returned from a trade mission to Taiwan. Um, earlier, there was a mission to J- Japan where we have uh, an office with our sister prefecture, Kumamoto. Can you speak a bit more to that impact of international trade on places like Montana? No, absolutely, and it's 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 really great to hear of uh, of the trade offices, and of course, I know Japan is a particularly uh, important connection. Uh, 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 because, of course, Senator Mansfield was not only Senator Mansfield, he was Ambassador Mansfield uh, and was the U.S. Uh, ambassador there. And, and, our, and our ties there, uh, not only our, our kind of cultural and historical ties are so important there, but, but of course, also our, 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 our trade ties today. Uh, and exactly as you mentioned and as I alluded to earlier, so much of the work that we try and do is – 
uh, expand market access for our agricultural producers to bring more U.S. products to customers all around the world. Um, you know, there are, you know, all, all told each year, you know, are, are the agricultural exports that come out of America are, are supporting millions of jobs and hundreds of billions of dollars in, in, in economic activity. And so just to kind of highlight one example, I know, um, you know, I know how important uh, wheat is as a uh, as a crop for Montana. And, um, you know, our, our, our diplomacy helped uh, work with Vietnam to eliminate their tariffs on wheat. We lowered tariffs on corn, uh, on frozen pork. Uh, and, you know, basically those, the, you know, reducing those tariffs saved, you know, U.S. exporters, saved ranchers, saved farmers uh, about, you know, uh, about 3% uh, uh, on any given year. And I know, you know, when the, when the margins are so small, you know, an extra 3% in your pocket, that makes, uh, that makes a difference. Uh, and so that's the kind of work uh, that we're doing, you know, not just in Vietnam, uh, but in really in countries all around the world each and every day to try and uh, make uh, all of our lives not only uh, safer and more secure, but also uh, a little bit more prosperous. Well, that is one of the things that we're trying to do for Montanans here is um, support them and being better able to engage in a global economy. We actually had a, a Japanese cabinet minister out here in November with the help of the U.S. Embassy. Uh, uh, you know, His Excellency Shikata was here on his way to the Asia-Pacific Economic Conference in San Francisco in November and met with Montana high school students, with university students, and with local youth leaders talking about the importance of the U.S.-Japan relationship with a feature on trade given his visit to San, San Francisco for the APEC meeting. Is there anything in particular you'd like to share about this administration? Well, actually, I think we're going to go to a break, but <laughs> maybe afterwards we could talk a bit more about the administration's commitment to uh, supporting Montanans through trade. Well, we'll do that when we return. By the way, we do have phone lines open if you'd like to visit with uh, Bill Russo or Dina Mansour from the Mansfield Center. Give us a call, 721-1290. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. I'm Peter Christian to questions and producing Talkback, taking your phone calls. Joining us on the phone right now is Bill Russo, uh, Assistant Secretary of State at the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. Joining us right now from his office and, of course, Dina Mansour joining us here in the studio. So please continue. Some really interesting things to say about, uh, you know, impacts here in Montana with semiconductors and other issues. And I wonder if you could share a bit more about that. No, absolutely. I mean, we were just talking a, a moment ago about market access and everything we try and do uh, to promote, you know, prosperity here in America uh, by, by increasing availability of markets. But uh, that's, you know, that's really kind of just one slice of the, the economic pie, uh, one piece of, uh, of what we're trying to do. Um, to promote prosperity because, you know, everything from kind of, you know, global security around supply chains, uh, again, the the alliances and partnerships that we're really investing in here. Uh, you know, of course, we want to make sure that we are uh, investing here at home in our own capability and capacity, but we also want to make sure that uh, at the same time, our, our allies and partners and other kind of like-minded countries are, are stepping up too. Uh, you know, I think people talk a lot about onshoring, right, bringing some of these jobs and manufacturing back to America, and that's an incredibly important part. And at the same time, we're also trying to make sure that we're doing some, you know, some French shoring and some near shoring, uh, also bringing some of these supply chains uh, to, 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 to countries with whom we have a close relationship with. And of course, Montana's ties uh, in both Taiwan and Japan uh, are, are incredibly important there. 
but I think you know this this kind of larger uh, framework uh, is not just something that uh, oh okay well that that doesn't matter to me that doesn't take place here because you know to look at semiconductors is just one example uh, even if you know not looking to build uh, and you know an advanced semiconductor factory uh, in Montana uh, access to that technology access to that that stream of semiconductors is incredibly important for you know next generation harvesters and combines and and tractors and agricultural uh, technology that's going to help Montana uh, maintain its lead. And you can, you know, you can look right on down the line. I think one of the things that Secretary Blinken has said that I thought was particularly useful is to, if you're standing in your kitchen right now, look around. And if you've got a dishwasher, a microwave, uh, or, you know, uh, pretty much any refrigerator made in the last 10 years, uh, all of those devices are going to have semiconductors in them. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if you want to think about the importance of just that one technology, just think about uh, how, how your life would feel uh, every day if you suddenly, you know, uh, lost uh, uh, one of those or if, you know, if one of them broke and, uh, you know, you, you couldn't get it uh, repaired or replaced for, for a number of years. And so I think there's a real practical uh, impact for, for a lot of the other work that we're doing, uh, again, whether it's technology, whether it's supply chains in the world, um, to help, you know, make life uh, certainly not only more prosperous, but uh, but also maybe a little bit more comfortable here at home. Well, I appreciate that analogy of the kitchen. You know, it's so hard for us to to bring these, you know, big ideas back home to us here in our own homes. And it's true when you look at the things that we rely on day to day, our phones, our computers, our dishwashers, it would be pretty shocking if we lost access to these semiconductors. Um, speaking of losing access, you mentioned uh, earlier our friends and allies. But one thing that we are very cognizant of here in Montana is the fragile relationship with China. Um, it was nearly a year ago that the Chinese spy balloon was witnessed over Great Falls. Of course, our recent legislature uh, banned the use of TikTok because of concerns of Chinese security. Um, can you speak a bit to the challenges that you faced at the Department of State, the diplomacy that you utilize to engage with um, these challenging countries? No, absolutely. And look, I think uh, Secretary Blinken and I think the president and others have have said that, you know, there is no relationship that's going to be more consequential for the rest of the 21st century than the U.S. and China. Uh, I think we see that uh, in security. We see that economically. Uh, And so basically, you know, again, there is a a kind of three pronged approach that we are that we are taking to, to deal with this challenge. Uh, and it can be reduced to uh, it can be even further reduced down to three words, invest, align and compete. Right. The first part of that invest is investing in America, investing in American industry and in American workers and the American people, uh, because I think, you know, to go to go back to that paradigm about, you know, what uh, what happens in the world matters in Montana and what Montana does can help shape the world. Um, you know, the stronger we are at home, the stronger we are out in the world. And we believe that making those kind of investments in our economic strength, in our research, in our industry, uh, in all of that will make us stronger on the world stage. And so, you know, whether it's been the Bipartisan CHIPS Act that was passed on the semiconductor front, um, some of the other investments in terms of kind of uh, increasing uh, manufacturing, bringing jobs back here, uh, increasing our uh, domestic manufacturing and export, uh, all of that is meant to, of course, yes, create jobs, help our economy here at home, uh, deliver for the American people, but in doing so also make us stronger make us a, 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 uh, an even more uh, worthy uh, competitor on the, on, on the global stage. Um, but of course, uh, we don't want to go it alone, and that's where the align part comes in. Um, because when we work with our partners, when we work with our allies, Japan, Korea, Australia, the Philippines, NATO, 
um, we are just that much stronger, right? We have economies that are that much stronger. We have militaries that are that much stronger. Uh, and so when we can link arms with those who share our values, share our, our, our approach and our vision, uh, it just increases uh, uh, America's strength uh, all the more. Uh, and so that gets to the final part, which is compete. Uh, and of course, when you look at the U.S.-China relationship, you know, we want to, uh, we, we do not seek conflict, right? It's not in the United States' interest. We don't think it's in China's interest. It's not in the world's interest for there to be a, a conflict between uh, the U.S. and China. Um, we want a competition and we want it to be a fair one. And that means, uh, you know, establishing fair rules around trade, intellectual rights and property, uh, and making sure that if, if, if that playing field is level, if we are showing up with our allies, if we have invested in our own people, we think that is a competition that we that we can win, and that we will, you know, that we will uh, we will we will wage fairly. Uh, and so that that is really the kind of the the, the big framework uh, as to how we are thinking about this this relationship. That you're exactly right. Really, is is the most consequential. And with that, we're up against another break. Your timing is, is exquisite. So we're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Dina Mansur joining us here in the studio, executive director of the Mansfield Center. Joining us on the phone is Bill Russo, and he's visiting with us about but his job of being the assistant secretary of state in the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. So that is a wide-ranging topic. We're going to come right back with more. By the way, the phone lines are open if you have a question or comment at 721-1290. Back after this. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. I'm Peter Christian to questions and taking your phone calls, producing TalkBack this morning. Dina Mansour, Executive Director of the Mansfield Center, here in the studio with us, along with Bill Russo on the phone, Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. And we do have a couple of callers I want to visit with you. Uh, Bill, we're, let's get uh, Mike on the line first. Mike, you're on with Mr. Russo. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Um, we have some property in the West Fork that is very, very near where this proposed Sheep Creek mine is to be developed that has a bunch of rare earth materials in it. Um, you know, you were just talking about microchips and whatnot and the need for them. But I also look at this from the other side, where, where this is proposed. First of all, it's a closed water basin. <laughs> There's, there's so many things that could stop this or should stop it before it even gets going that I, I at first didn't even worry about it. But yet I'm hearing the permit process is getting pushed. And I just know that politicians and money, they're estimating conservatively $45 billion worth of rare earth materials up here. I know that politicians and money can make things happen even sometimes when they shouldn't. And I'd like to know your opinion on one can get it stopped or what do you think is going to happen all right mike thanks for the call uh, B- bill uh, do you have a do you have a comment on that uh uh you know so i'll say uh uh first and foremost uh you know obviously uh, uh department of state we've got a pretty big and a pretty broad mandate um uh but uh, uh but fortunately uh, uh some of uh, some of some of the elements of that including the kind of permitting process are uh, are ones that uh, uh, that don't uh, fall under under our purview. So I, you know, I, I don't think it would, in some ways, wouldn't be kind of uh, appropriate uh, even for me to to comment on that. But I think one of the things I I, I would say there is that, um, you know, when I talked about a, a level playing field for for how we compete on this, um, you know, part of that means um, trying to bring the rest of the world up to the same kind of. Uh, 
uh, environmental standards and, and, and other standards that we uh, that we really seek to aspire to here that make sure that uh, you know that that projects whether they're they're mining projects construction projects uh, uh, others uh, you know really do go through the you know the most rigorous the highest uh, the highest of standards before they get approved and so uh, I know when we, when when we are acting all around the world uh, you know when, when we when we live up to those standards here at home, uh, that helps us make the case all around the world for why other countries should likewise uh, be, be uh, following those highest standards and not kind of, you know, um, uh, causing environmental disasters within their own borders or, 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 or harming their own people. And so just to say that um, as, 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 as our system appropriately deals with uh, a, a process like that, it, it, it not only, of course, has a local impact, but it has a global impact as well. Because uh, it helps us really hold people to account to, to to live up to those high standards. Okay. All right. Let's get Catherine on the line next. Catherine, good morning. You're on with Bill Russo. Go ahead, please. Yeah, um, I wanted to get back to China. What is your opinion on the situation with Taiwan and our responsibilities to Taiwan vis-a-vis China? Probably invading sometime this year or maybe next year. How do you think we will respond? Also, China's moves in South America and Africa and the uh, um, other areas around uh, in the in the South Asia area, um, essentially trying to push the U.S. out of those spheres of influence. What do you think our responses should be, and uh, the probability that uh, China will be able to mm, force us to not be as engaged in the world? Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call, Catherine. Bill, it's all yours. Well, thank you, Kat. Those are two really great questions, and I'll, I'll, I'll take them in order. Um, first to say on, on Taiwan, of course, you know, we're particularly focused. Taiwan has uh, elections this weekend. Uh, and so uh, we are we are focused on uh, on, on 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 making sure that um, uh, whatever the result of those elections are, um, that you know the, the voice of the uh, of people in Taiwan can be heard and democratically expressed, and and that uh, whatever reaction China might have to that uh, would be uh, uh, appropriate. And so you know our our, our diplomacy. Uh, both, both the quiet and the out loud part uh, is really focused on making sure that uh, that there are no kind of uh, crises, uh, unnecessary crises uh, provoked by the PRC that we need to deal with uh, in relation to that. But look more broadly, of course, we're um, uh, we're hugely concerned by some of the aggressive steps that we've seen uh, China take uh, over the course of the last certainly few months, few years, uh, uh, in terms of Taiwan, and 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 we continue to do. Um, you know everything we can uh, to be to be the best possible partner to avoid the exact scenario um, uh, that you were you were talking about in terms of uh, you know an, an invasion or an actual armed conflict uh, in the Taiwan Straits um, that would have um, huge negative repercussions for uh, obviously for 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 people on Taiwan uh, for people all around the region it would have you know our there are security implications for this. You know, we have many U.S. forces in the region, uh, but again, uh, there are also huge economic uh, implications that would come from from a crisis like that. That would uh, not only be felt in, in in China, not only be felt here, but would really be felt all around the world. Uh, and so, the work that we are doing at the State Department each and every day is again trying to, uh, in conjunction with our partners, the Department of Defense, who are who are making sure that uh, Taiwan uh, has what it needs uh, to defend itself. Um, uh, are, are to make sure that China doesn't make that miscalculation, that China does not uh, decide to go through uh, uh, with an armed conflict. And so that, that is what we are uh, trying to do each and every day. But exactly as you mentioned, uh, this is not 
just a, a Taiwan Straits issue. This is a, a, a global issue, as we have seen um, China continue to be uh, assertive uh, on the world stage, as you said, whether it's South America, whether it's Africa, there are other parts of the world where they are trying to, to exercise their influence. And part of what we try and do each and every day um, is offer a better alternative, because, again, this gets back to kind of, you know, we believe um, we believe that our system you know, our democratic system, our free market system, uh, uh, our, our kind of, you know, uh, our, our, our uh, entrepreneurial uh, uh, business system uh, is better. And we believe that ultimately, uh, if people have the choice between, you know, doing business with, with us and our system or doing business uh, with the PRC and theirs, that they're going to choose to do it with us. Uh, and we just need to do what we can to make sure that they are able to make those decisions free from coercion, free from, uh, from, from corruption and undue influence. Uh, uh, so that they can, you know, again, choose to work with uh, American companies. And then that means, uh, that means showing up. That means showing up with a better offer in hand, whether it's in terms of, uh, of, of infrastructure, uh, whether it's in terms of, of, of culture and language training, academics. Um, you know, I think one of the, actually in the long term, one of the best things that we can do uh, all around the world uh, is increase Engl- English language training. Uh, is increase, increase uh, access to exchanges and other academic uh, exchanges because, you know, again, given the choice all around the world and in every region that you mentioned, um, young people would so much rather come to an American university like the University of Montana than they would go to a Chinese university. Um, but like so many people all around the world, they have to make an economic decision. Uh, and so for us, the big challenge that we have to make sure that we do not allow the PRC to force us out and our influence out around the world is to show up with a better offer and deliver better results. And that is what we are focused on every day. Okay. With that, we're up against a break. 721-1290 is our number, and we do have phone lines open. If you'd like to visit with Bill Russo, he is the Assistant Secretary of, the, uh, of State for the Bureau of Global Public Affairs, along with Dina Mansour, Executive Director of the Mansfield Center at the University of Montana. We'll be back, hopefully getting more of your phone calls right after this one more reason here we are back on talk back more phone calls coming in here as the phone keeps ringing uh, for for bill russo we're gonna try to get as many calls in as we can but first dina i know you wanted to address something with bill before we continue on please go ahead well, I do, and I know your listeners uh, know well the Mansfield legacy, but just a bit of a reminder of Mansfield's connection to these international topics that we're talking about. You know, Mike Mansfield grew up in Montana, a juvenile delinquent, ran away from home a number of times, um, and joined the military. He lied about his age when he was 14. Um, he first joined uh, the the um the knee he went he was in all three branches of the service oh gosh navy army marines and it was when he was with the marines that he was actually sent to asia and it was his first visit to china that prompted a lifelong commitment um and passion for the area he came here to the university of montana where he started studied both far eastern and latin american studies um and when he was eventually uh, so elected to Congress, he was considered the expert on Asia for Congress. He was sent by uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt to China on a mission. Uh, he led the first congressional delegation to China after the resumption of relations in 1972. In fact, at the APEC meeting that I mentioned earlier in November, uh, China's president, Xi, referenced that Mansfield visit to China um, and is very interested in reestablishing relations. Uh, Bill also mentioned his role as our long serving U.S. ambassador to Japan. And when he was in Japan, he said that the U.S.-Japan relationship was the most important in the world, bar 
none. I think he would probably agree that that is still a critical relationship. We're one of the top Japan studies programs in the country at the University of Montana. Um, but recognizing that we need to support our students in engaging with China. So when we look at challenges we have with that country, we have to look at the fact that we need to prepare our youth to engage. I think right now there are fewer than 350 American students studying in China. And in comparison, there are about 35,000 studying in the UK. So it is critical um, to ensure that Montanans study and understand Mandarin Chinese, that they study and understand contemporary China as well as its history. Um, And having someone like Assistant Secretary Russo here is part of that commitment to Montanans to help them better engage in a global economy. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Get another caller on. Let's. This is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. You're on with Bill Russo. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning. Um, a, a couple of questions. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, you know the onshoring versus offshoring and friendshoring. Um, the the problem is uh, you know Vietnam used to be an enemy. Now they are uh, friendly to us, and we're seeing more them supply more and more things to our country. I don't know if drugs and um, microchips are in their uh, future or not. Um, But, you know, that has changed. And then with Mexico, you see uh, a country that was once very friendly to us becoming less and less friendly. Um, And so, you know, there's and there's a risk within those countries that we can we can have um, Drugs or microchips or whatever the the uh, item might be, rare earth uh, minerals. But if there's only one source in that country, it really doesn't do a lot to uh, increase our, or decrease our dependence on them. You know, we we've just moved it from one to the other. And so, what about uh, coming up with a, di- a diversity of sources, both uh, inside a country and from many countries? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for the call. Bill, go ahead. I need to say, you know, I really couldn't uh, couldn't agree more uh, with what with, with what Jeff had to say there. It's, um, you know, I think part part of the realization for all of this is that it's dangerous uh, for us. It's dangerous for any country to kind of have all of our eggs in one basket, uh, right? And so that's why whether you're talking about onshoring, bringing it back here, talking about nearshoring, you know, within kind of our Western Hemisphere, or you know, the the friendshoring concept that it's with, you know, our our our, our like-minded partners, whether they're in Europe or Asia or elsewhere around the world. Um, diversification uh, is, is really the key here. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff mentioned Mexico, and actually I had the chance back in uh, 2022 to take a trip uh, to Mexico with not only Secretary Blinken, but our Secretary of Commerce, uh, Gina Raimondo, um, where it was, you know, shortly after this CHIPS Act had passed, and, and we were having an economic dialogue with the Mexicans. And, and you know, it was not so much that uh, it was a conversation about, Mexico uh, opening up uh, advanced uh, uh, chip manufacturing plants itself. It was really a question about okay, if we're opening up these uh, these 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 operations in uh, in states like Arizona or in Texas or others, um, what parts of the whole process from beginning to end uh, can Mexico uh, uh, contribute to? And, and and part of you know I think what uh, the conversation was there was about packaging. Right, because you don't just build the chip and throw it in a box and ship it out the door. But there's, you know, a whole kind of safe and secure packaging piece to this um, that actually is, is is very much in Mexico's wheelhouse. And so, if we start building 
uh, you know, chip manufacturing plants here in the United States, we aren't necessarily uh, going to be building the the, the, the the packaging facilities. Um, but if it's if it's a, a short trip down south to our, uh, to our partners across the border, maybe there's a real benefit uh, for the U.S. and Mexico partnering on that part of the supply chain. And so just to say, uh, to Jeff's point about diversification, absolutely spot on. And that's absolutely uh, what we are trying to ensure uh, happens here, because uh, if we have a single point of failure, uh, that's that that's a risk that, quite frankly, uh, no country, let alone ours, should be willing to assume at this point in time. Okay, let's get to Harry on the line. Harry, you got about a minute and a half to ask your question. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, Bill. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering, are you encouraging more investment in Central and South America? I see that as a twofer. First of all, it does diversify. I uh, you know, it's close to home. Plus, if we increase or improve their uh, lifestyle down there, there's less chance that they want, their people wanting coming up here. So I, I understand that, you know, there's a pro- the governments can be problematic down there or unstable, but I'm wondering if there are, are you encouraging more investment in Central and South America? Hey, thanks, Harry. You, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Um, that is entirely right because, you know, one of the things that we have seen in terms of drivers uh, of uh, migration, particularly irregular migration uh, here in this hemisphere, uh, is, is is economically related. And so, yes, part of this is, is increasing investment. Part of a lot of the work that the State Department's doing, our diplomacy is doing, is also trying to root out corruption um, because as much as, you know, uh, people – even who have great ideas and, and, and even maybe access to capital who want to start a company, want to start a new industry, um, if they've got to you know, be handing out bribes left and right or if they're ultimately not going to be able to start up their, uh, their business because some local official's you know, brother has a, has a competitor, uh, that's ultimately going to be the kind of thing that really um, you know, not only stifles uh, uh, their own economic development but, but, but pushes people to leave. And so I think the investment piece of it is incredibly important. That's something that not just the State Department but the whole U.S. government's pursuing. But the other really key part is that we've got to make sure that we're, we're working with governments in the region to root out corruption that kind of makes all of that economic uh, opportunity impossible in the very beginning. Okay, with that, we're up against a commercial break. One minute, time out. Joe is still waiting to visit with you. And uh, thank you for answering all these these callers' questions. This is great, Bill. We appreciate you being on, as well as uh, Dina, for excellent uh, comments and questions as well. We're going to come right back after this one-minute time out. Like most backseat. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Well, this hour has quite literally flown by, and uh, we are thrilled to have with us uh, Nina Mansour from the Mansfield Center. We have on the phone Bill Russo, and Joe has been waiting on uh, on the phone very patiently. Joe, good morning, and thanks for holding. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Uh, Professor Murdad Kia confirmed a fear that many of us have, that students that come from China are beholden with strings attached to the Chinese Communist Party. That's number one, but number two... University of Pennsylvania, UPenn, allegedly took $700 million from the Chinese uh, Communist Party. And then the faculty signed a letter asking for the uh, Trump uh, sanctions against China to be dropped. And uh, the uh, Attorney General of the United States did that. And I believe Joe Biden got a million dollars out of that. And 
to me, that looks like a quid pro quo for influence peddling. What do you think about that? All right. Thanks for the call, Joe. And okay, Bill, go ahead. Uh, of course. Well, so, you know, on the uh, you know, University of Pennsylvania piece, thankfully, I'm, uh, I'm not a spokesperson uh, for, for that university or, or, or any others. But I think, you know, Joe, the, the question that you had um, uh, hit, hits an important uh, point here, right, which is that, um, you know, where is the line between uh, a very good thing, right, which is uh, increasing exchange of people, increasing academic exchange, um, you know, uh, yes, there are a lot of uh, uh, Chinese students who, 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 who want to come and study here, and that, that, that is on its face a very good thing. We want that kind of cultural exchange, and I know it's also a good thing uh, for American universities who, who, who benefit from, you know, the tuition dollars uh, coming in. Um, but, of course, we also need to make sure that we are doing everything we can uh, to protect uh, you know, sensitive technology, sensitive information uh, transfers here. And so I know that is, you know, that has been an ongoing uh, whole of U.S. government effort to make sure that, yes, at the same time that we are seeking to increase and support people-to-people exchange, we're seeking to su- support uh, that kind of uh, academic exchange, uh, we need to make sure that our academic institutions have the right safeguards in place to ensure that any foreign student, foreign professor, uh, uh, or, or, or possibly even, you know, foreign agent um, does not have the kind of access to the really secret and sensitive work that, that can, uh, that, you know, our academic institutions uh, help support uh, the rest of our government. In. And so I think the, the key there is, is, uh, is kind of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? We want to make sure that we're uh, putting smart controls in place, uh, but we also want to make sure that we, uh, that we aren't eliminating opportunities to have a really important face-to-face, people-to-people dialogue. Well, we have exactly four minutes left. So, Dina, the floor is yours. Well, great. I'd love to pick up on that because that is an incredible concern here in Montana as well. Uh, Joe, as you may recall, the Montana legislature did pass um, some laws recently that required universities here in the states to report any foreign funding from hostile countries, including China. So that is a priority for us at the University of Montana, ensuring that we can support an exchange of youth between China and Montana um, and being very cautious with that. We do not work with military universities in China. Um, we have not engaged in any recent relationships or in exchanges with China, but it is something that we think is important to do, that again, it's important for Montanans to be fully prepared to engage with countries like China. When you have millions, tens of millions of Chinese who can understand English and you have very few Americans who understand Chinese. That's a problem. That's a national security issue. So how can we support our youth in learning Mandarin Chinese and understanding Chinese culture and history and being able to support our national security? Um, that's one reason that we are partnering more closely with Taiwan as an important democratic um, partner. Uh, we've recently engaged in relationships with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Ministry of Education. We just welcomed a Taiwanese lecturer to Montana on Sunday. She's very excited to engage with Montanans to do outreach in our K-12 and uh, education communities and support Montanans in understanding that part of the world. Um, again, I just want to really emphasize how critical it is that our democracy is strong here at home so that we can bolster our national security. And that's what the Mansfield Center is looking to do. How do we bring speakers, exchanges, programs, support to the people of Montana and the country to ensure that we have the strongest democracy possible, to ensure that we have our strongest nation possible? How can our listeners take advantage of what the, of your embassies here that, uh, aside from listening to to this once a month. This is great. But I'm sure you would love to have people coming into the center and and, uh, taking advantage of all your resources. 
Absolutely. There are so many opportunities to come to the center, to come be part of our programming. So first, I encourage you to join our mailing list. That's the best way to find out about travel and study opportunities, about the speakers we have, like Assistant Secretary Rousseau. Um, Join our mailing list. If you go to our website, mansfieldcenter.org, you can join our mailing list. Um, We have a number of tours and experiences where you can come in person to the Mansfield Center on March 7th. We have a series of tours together with this uh, talk by our founding director, Paul Lauren, who worked specifically directly with Mike and Maureen Mansfield when they were living in Tokyo to determine what their legacy would look like. So come into that. Uh, We're always advertising opportunities for talks like Assistant Secretary Russo's. Um, Again, he will be coming to Missoula in person Tuesday, January 30th at 7 p.m. at the University Center Theater at the University of Montana. We'll be having a reception after his talk so you can meet him in person and share your opinions on what Washington should be focusing on. He's not just coming to Missoula. He'll be going to Pablo, Helena. Um, He'll be talking to schools and communities, but also another public talk in Great Falls. That's on Wednesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. at Great Falls College Heritage Hall. And I'm really hoping that that our listeners will will finally get it through the fact that uh, all these things that are happening on the University of Montana campus and specifically with the Mansfield Center are not strictly university related. This is entire community, entire region, entire state related. Absolutely. We are part of the University of Montana, but we are probably more engaged in the external community than on campus. And everything we do is free and open to the public. It's because of the generosity of the U.S. Department of State um, that we're able to do a lot of this work. Dina, thank you so much. Great, thank you. Appreciate it. And Bill, it's been a pleasure talking with you, sir. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for, for sharing your airwaves. Uh, and thank you so much for inviting me on. And just to say that I am, uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, continuing this conversation, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's in Missoula or Helena uh, uh, or any of the other communities uh, that I'm going to visit, um, because this this kind of dialogue is, is, is really important to help informing the, the work that we do each and every day. And, and personally, it's, uh, it's something I uh, uh, put a lot of value in and, and, and enjoy quite a bit. And I'm, I'm especially glad to be, to be coming back to Montana. All right. Thanks for the, thank you 